0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, it's Padawan J.
1: Ken, uh, LaShawn McCoy and Sammy Watkins are both now Super Bowl champions. How do you feel about that as the Buffalo Bills aficionado of the group?
0: Um, I feel better after I look at my winning casino ticket for my parlay bet. Ah. But as a Bills fan, we will have much to discuss when we start breaking down the Super Bowl. Uh, conspicuous by his absence is your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy.
1: Rumor has it he's running down Fifth Avenue screaming, thank God, thank God, thank God, while wearing his Knicks apparel.
0: Yeah, so if anybody has a TikTok, anybody has some YouTube footage of this, we would greatly appreciate it. Please. Or whatever
1: like Vine 2.0 that just came out
0: is. Please send it to us on Twitter at Hour. If you're not sure about any of our other social media links, OchoDuralParlayHour.com. And remember, use the hashtag ODPH to join in that conversation. Lots to talk about in the land of sports, but no bigger sports story this week than the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And it was a thrilling game. Yeah. Kansas City and San Francisco did not disappoint in delivering what is known to be the greatest game of the season. Yeah. Pad, you got those stats.
1: Yeah, uh, so of course Super Bowl fifty-four took place this past Sunday. It was the Kansas City Chiefs representing the AFC going up against the San Francisco 49ers representing the NFC? And the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers 31 to 20, capturing their first Super Bowl win since way back in nineteen sixty nine. I can't I can't speak for yourself, Ken. But I don't remember 1969. It was a few years before
0: I was born. Uh, join the club, my friend. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, like I said, 31 to t- 31 to 20 uh, was the final score. Slight side note. Shout out to Yankees manager Aaron Boone for calling the final score and the winning team about a half hour before kickoff. Go to his Twitter. Uh, but yes, uh, Patrick Mahomes, 26 of 42 for 286 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo, 20 of 31. Oddly enough, wow, that's th- also the score. Uh, <laughs> for 219 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions.
0: Easiest takeaway from this <coughs> is...
1: <clears throat> Sorry, something caught my throat there.
0: Yeah, San Francisco, in my opinion... Choked. Choked this game away.
1: I mean, the, the meme where I've seen using kind of like the SpongeBob format where you've got them celebrating in the end zone after, what was it, like the pick six or, or the sack or whatever the heck it was, and then 10 minutes later and it's just them looking distraught. And it was literally like 10 minutes.
0: Well, there's no other way to break it down because when they started off the game, San Francisco looked like the team to beat. Yeah. They they were in there. They were so laser focused in that they were throwing so many different looks with Debo Samuel Mm -hmm. and running an option that they had the Chiefs' defense on their heels the entire time.
1: Yeah, because if you go back and you watch the highlights, as much as we praise the defensive coordinator for Kansas City. And as good as he is, San Francisco was making it very hard for Kansas City to get a finite look at what they were doing or what they were setting up for because you look at it and go, okay, they're in this formation, which means they're probably going to do, you know, a play action or, you know, toss to the right. Oh, wait, shit. They're, they're, and they got a guy in motion. Who knows what the hell they're doing now?
0: No, they completely threw him off. Steve Spagnola, who we've talked about on previous episodes was the Giants defensive coordinator when he faced the pa- or when they faced the Patriots. Yeah. He he knows about shutting great teams down mm-hmm. that run short pass offenses. San Francisco gave him an entire new look. Yeah. And that defense, like I said, was on their heels the entire first half. Yeah. The fact that they were dictating the tempo of the game, they drove right down the field obviously right in the start of the game. They implemented their will. They made Kansas City oh, yeah. punt, and they really just focused on getting their field goal team out there. Which I mean, the fact that Kansas City stopped them on a field goal that first yeah. drive, yeah. I consider that a miracle.
1: Oh yeah, no, that was a miracle. Especially when you look at like Kansas City on the offensive side of the ball. As good as Mahomes is, is you know, video game like as he is, the shovel passes and the no look passes and the this and the that, he did not look comfortable in any way, shape, or form. And yes, I realize you know it's what his second full year in the NFL and he's start he's starting a super bowl at the age of like 24 or whatever mm-hmm. the, whatever the heck oh, it yeah. is. So yes, there are nerves there. But even still for being a, a quarterback He did not look comfortable. He did not look like he had a rhythm, and that was San Francisco getting to him.
0: Absolutely. the Mahomes, when you shook him off the rhythm, like I said, the first drive, they were three and out. They had no real answer. The pressure that was getting put on them by Nick Bosa and company Mm -hmm. was really throwing off the rhythm of Patrick Mahomes. And if you can take him out of that rhythm, Kansas City becomes very, very one-dimensional. San Francisco was doing this the entire first half. They were rocking him. So much that it really took Patrick Mahomes to put the team on his back to get that first touchdown. Yeah, because when they got a three to seven, you know, Kansas City was start, starting to show a little bit signs of life. Yeah, but this is where San Francisco started taking over. Mm-hmm. And when they really jumped out, I know they got down uh, 10-3, but by the end of the second half or the end of the second quarter, rather, Garoppolo implemented his will. He was nailing you know, short passes. He was getting there. Yeah. But when the fullback of the 49ers oh my God. punched that in. Oh, my God. And that was just a straight drive down the field. They knew what they were doing was working. Mm-hmm. And this is where this becomes so puzzling as an NFL fan. If, Like I said, I had no team in this race. No. Other than, obviously, I made a little fun bet at the local casino. But this is where it gets so frustrating as a fan because it's 10-10, San Francisco looked like they sh- it should have been twenty to ten. Oh God, yeah, easy. Especially
1: there was the one play I can't remember if it was late in the second or some point in the third where they faked the handoff to the fullback, and it was a play action, and then the fullback got open.
0: That was in the second, yeah, there was in the second quarter, I believe. You know,
1: they faked the handoff to the fullback, which okay, in theory, everyone's biting on him, thinking it's going to go to him. He shouldn't be able to get the ball. Oops, he was able to get the ball. Like. That's just showing me like, okay, San Francisco's imposing
0: their will on this. This is a wrap. It should have been because the problem that Kansas City was doing is they were not pressing at the line. No. They were not shutting down anybody other than Kittle. Uh-huh. But Debo Samuel, like I said, was your MVP of that first half just for the little things he was doing to get open and create yeah. create space, create energy. Because the, And Kansas City Chiefs linebacking core was playing so far back worrying about a deep pass that yeah. they were they were letting him do a little option runs. Yeah. When you're doing that it showed that you had no real clue what San Francisco was throwing at you and they were throwing so many different looks. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was applauding that entire first half I'm going okay Frisco should be up more. The fact it's 10-10 is a miracle at this stage. Yeah, I mean,
1: you look at it. Garoppolo got sacked once for a nine-yard loss, and on the flip side, uh, the Kansas City defense hit him, uh, what is this, uh, six times. You flip it to the other side, where Patrick Mahomes got sacked four times for 18 yards total loss, and the San Francisco defense hit him nine times. You know, okay, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo got hit once. I don't even really remember that sack, and now that I'm sitting here back looking on back on it, and yeah, hindsight 2020 and all that. I don't remember them pressuring all that much, like mixing blitz packages with other packages that you know aren't blitz.
0: No, the one thing though that Kansas City was doing is they didn't break from their original game plan, which, sure. which I, I think was gutsy on their part, because once they forced Garoppolo to throw that bad interception, oh yeah, and that to me was the. Was the big turning point for San Francisco?
1: That, that ball should have been about eight yards up in
0: the seats. No way should that ball
1: have just been thrown in there. That was such a rookie mistake. No offense, it's it's kind. Of, no offense, but it's kind of what I've seen with Josh Allen sometimes, where he's he doesn't have a pass open, he doesn't have a guy open, throw it away, put it eight yards into the seats. Don't don't sit there and try and force something because look what happens.
0: Oh, I agree with you. No, I'm not taking offense. As a Bills fan, I know Josh Allen does that because Josh Allen relies so much on his arm strength that he thinks he can just heave it downfield and it'll go 70, 80 yards out of bounds. Mm -hmm. Not the smartest play, but he is still learning this game. Garoppolo has sat behind Tom Brady. Yeah. One of the best, if not the best, to do it. Yeah. You should know by that tutelage alone. Yeah. Throw it out of bounds, and especially in the biggest game of the year, you can't throw up a lame duck interception like he did. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, granted, Patrick Mahomes did throw some interception in his own, right? Yeah. But for that point, that was the big momentum chaser, that got changer that got Kansas City back in the game. Yeah,
1: like you said, Garoppolo sat behind Brady. He sat behind Brady for three years, which I'm sorry, you know, you're in that situation. I'm sure he was like a sponge,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: asking any question you could think of and picking his brain and this, that, and the other. You, you know, you're now you're in your third, uh, two, second and a half if you want to get technical because he missed uh, most of 2018. You know, you should, you know, you're, so you're now six years into the league. Like, you shouldn't be making mistakes like this, especially when you sat behind one of the best quarterback. You know, one of the quarterbacks that was featured on the field for the 100 best of players of all time ceremony. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, it'd be one thing if, like, you're making this mistake. Oh, you sat behind, you know, some other quarterback that isn't Tom Brady or any of the other elite quarterbacks in the NFL. If, like, oh, you sat behind this guy. Okay, you know, whatever. But, no, you sat behind Tom Brady. You shouldn't be making these mistakes.
0: Right, and you can say what you will. It's in the heat of the moment – like I say, we play armchair quarterback. Yeah. But yeah. that's what that's a play that you have to know as a professional you can't do. Mm-hmm. You just can't. And it came back not really to haunt him necessarily early, but late. Because when Frisco was really starting to point around the points. I mean, they got 13-10. Yeah. And then the touchdown by Morster got 20-10. hmm So at that point, I think in my humble, unofficial ODPH opinion – that point in the third quarter that was your momentum changer not so much that kansas city was defeated yeah cuz they didn't look it but it was more so san francisco took their foot off the gas
1: absolutely i don't think for one second kansas city ever felt they were out of the game because like people pointed out you know throughout that fourth quarter and even post game i what was it like every post game or postseason game they've had this year, they were down 10 or more points and they came back every time. So Kansas City never counted themselves out. But I absolutely agree with you that San Francisco took their foot off, the gas, and I think the moment that was kind of that moment and also the moment that galvanized Kansas City a little bit was that team celebration in the end zone after, what was it, like a sack or or a pickoff or something absurd, that you've got the entire defense, you know, linemen, linebackers, Safeties, you know, pick your position all there in the end zone doing the group photo and with like ten plus minutes to go like guys, that's an eternity in football. Uh Uh-huh. Considering you've got six timeouts between the two teams, plus the two minute warning, plus whatever plays you want to call to stop the clock. That's an eternity. You know, ten minutes game time, probably like forty-five minutes real time. I you know, I'm not gonna fault the guys for celebrating. Celebrate when you do well, but I think doing that galvanized the Chiefs a little bit.
0: Oh, fully. I think it was between that and the touchdown that San Francisco was acting like they won the game. Mm -hmm. And that just showed a very inexperienced team in the playoffs. Yeah. Because on the flip side, you didn't see Patrick Mahomes get rattled. No. You didn't see – Andy Reid did not show any emotion. I mean, he doesn't
1: show any emotion normally. He
0: doesn't. And I know we were having this debate at our watch party with uh, Rich from 3FN and shout out to everybody that was in attendance for that. And he was even saying that Andy Reid isn't that good of a coach because he didn't make any changes. He didn't show anything to get him fired up. And I get that. But at the same token, you do have Patrick Mahomes, and as long as he is physically able to get on the field, mm-hmm. you have a shot. Mm-hmm. I do agree, though, when Andy Reid is in these playoffs, though, he his track record has not been great. We take a yeah. look at when the Eagles, and he had Donovan McNabb and, yeah. and one-legged Terrell Owens. Yeah,
1: there was the eight-minute drive.
0: Yeah. At the same point, that was Andy Reid. I think was starting to have deja vu. I think he over he he might overthink a little bit. I think he does overthink a lot, and I think that it comes back to haunt him in the yeah. worst way. But this time, though, he had a better quarterback.
1: Right, and I think the other thing, at the same token, was you look at. I, I know we've said this with other teams in the past, and none of them are immediately coming to mind. But I know we've said this before. You look at the San Francisco side of the ball. Okay, they've got Kittle. Mm-hmm. Kittle, obvious lead, leader in that locker room. But they don't have that veteran presence that can kind of pull the troops together. Go, hey, you know, with with the celebrating and acting like they've won the darn thing and the game's not even over. Hey, cut the crap. This ain't over. Like you know that that veteran voice that that you know that Tom Brady that Drew Brees that Ray Lewis that you know take your pick Mm -hmm. to just pull everyone in and go, hey, this ain't over yet. We can't stop.
0: Well, you think that they would have that with Richard Sherman. Yeah, you would think. You would think, but he did not have the greatest game, too, by the way. No. When he got burnt by Watkins, and, I, I mean, obviously Tyreek Hill is going to burn anybody. Fastest mm-hmm. man in the NFL, in my opinion. He's going to have a long day, but this is where his leadership should have at least calmed the defense down and say, hey, we still got this, let's go, and not saying you didn't, but I think at this point, mm-hmm. this is where Kansas City started getting momentum back, at least Patrick Mahomes – Didn't blink. Didn't get rattled. And this is where the Niners took the foot off the gas. They were playing more prevent defense Mm -hmm. and deja vu, if I can say so. No, yeah. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons when they were facing New England. Yep. And they blew the infamous what score pad?
1: 28-3.
0: Because they stopped running the ball in the second half. Yep. This was a very eerie deja vu
1: Debo Samuel's name was mentioned once about every 30 seconds it felt like in that first half and honestly deservedly so you know and and at one point I know we were you know wowed and astounded that there was three consecutive plays where the three you know big running backs for you know San Francisco Raheem Debo and Tevin all got touches in succession how often did their names get mentioned in the second half Almost none.
0: No, and I don't understand this play calling either because your 49er offense lives and dies by the run and play action. When you have your running back core, and it's a running back du jour because everybody has had good games for that running uh, game. Mm -hmm. There's not a standout running back that you go, I worry about him. Right. There isn't. So for San Francisco to give up on the run because at this stage – if you're up twenty to ten, uh-huh. you have to go and you have to ice that game. Yeah, you have to get as much time off the clock as humanly possible. You can't sit back and let it go. You did, and I don't understand that, especially with the success you were having in that first half.
1: Well, and you look at the stats. You know, Raheem Mostert. You know, twelve carries, fifty-eight yards. Debo Samuel, three carries, fifty-three yards. Tevin Coleman, five carries, 28 yards. And that's Coleman on a separated shoulder, too. Yep. You know, Coleman on a separated shoulder. But Debo, those three carries were all in the first half. Mm -hmm. You know, Coleman, separated shoulder, most of those I would say were probably in the first half. I honestly couldn't remember. And and you got Raheem, okay, 12 carries, 58 yards. Average 4.8 yards a carry. That's nothing to exactly write home about.
0: No, it isn't. And that's the thing that was just so puzzling about seeing this happen again Mm -hmm. for Shanahan because the first time it did, you had, in my opinion, a more talented offensive team.
1: No, yeah, absolutely.
0: And yet you're up that big, and you give up running the ball, and you're throwing Yeah, no, Atlanta. You, you had
1: a great running back in, De, in Devontae Freeman. You had two great receivers in Julio and Mohamed Sanu. You, know, you had the MVP, Matt Ryan, which I know, I know everyone says all the, the MVP curse with the Super Bowl, but still, Matt Ryan. Yeah, you, you, have an, you, you he, had all the pieces there. You were essentially sitting there playing a game of poker with a royal flush. Like you, you had an unbeatable hand,
0: and yet you blew it. Yeah, you let it slip, and I don't know if this is a mental stigma or whatever the case is that he felt he needed to switch the offense. Your offense was working. Uh, granted, it was a close game, but it was working. If you if you kept if he kept
1: the play, you know the the offense going and kept going with the run. You know if he ran, you you can burn a lot of time on run plays, mm-hmm. even with timeouts. Assuming you know there's no timeouts, and Lord knows that wouldn't be possible in with the NFL. You know, because they would stop the clock with timeouts. You know, you you run the clock and you let the play, you run the ball and let the play clock go as close to zero as you can get. You're shaving 40 seconds off that play clock. You can easily get two, two and a half, maybe even three minutes off the clock if you're lucky. Yeah. Like that, you know, with 10 minutes left and you got a 10 point lead and you keep running that ball, Kansas City ain't going to have a lot of time to play
0: with. No, it definitely isn't, and that was the most questioning thing because at that stage, you have to close. You can't let Kansas City get back into it. There's
1: no excuse to let Kansas City put up 21 points unanswered in one quarter alone.
0: Yeah, If it was a
1: half, you might have an, an argument. But one quarter alone?
0: No, and that's the thing that was so unacceptable because once Mahomes started leading the team back, Got Travis Kelsey on that uh, touchdown, which once they started driving down the field and they started making plays and they burnt Sherman mm-hmm. for that big, deep one, too. Yeah, This is where you can sense, okay, Kansas City's going to go swinging. And Kansas City has had that track record yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. So they've been down by, what, 10-plus in all of their playoff games late and they have come back to win? I mean, I'm not saying that this is the Houston game where they decide to go Madden on cheat. Yeah. And they decided to drop, what, 28 in the second? Something like that. Either way, Kansas City is used to being from behind.
1: No, oh, yeah, this is why we say they weren't afraid. They weren't ever counting themselves out. They've been here before. No. They've been there twice in the postseason already.
0: No, like I said, the only thing that I thought Andy Reid might have looked a little puzzled at times. Oh, and just, sure. And I'm sure he, in his head, unfortunately, he's been here before with Philly. Oh, yeah. And the track record is going through his head. Like, what do I do? But the, 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 the advantage he had at this stage... You have Mahomes, who is a freak of nature. Yeah,
1: no offense to Donovan McNabb. Mahomes is better than McNabb.
0: Exactly. There's no comparison. Mahomes is better. So when you have him in there, and he's just a different breed, he didn't blink, and they just started getting those low passes because he started noticing the Niners let up on their defense. They stopped Mm -hmm. blitzing as much. They stopped sending the extra man. This is where Mahomes started feeding and I don't understand when you start seeing the momentum shift as it did you didn't call a timeout regroup your team and get focused again.
1: Well, and I also think if you noticed or you remember San Francisco also stopped putting guys in motion. Yeah. Because that entire first quarter if if you're able whether you got to buy the game on iTunes or whatever it is to watch that first quarter, go back and watch that first quarter. I do not remember a single play where San Francisco had the ball where there was not at least one guy in motion no. the entire time so like we said you know Spagnolo was not able to figure out what the heck was going on because you get a look at it and all of a sudden you got another look and you go oh wait I don't know what this is I got to figure this out they quit doing that in the second half and that gave Spagnola oh here's what they're doing here's how we got a game plan this
0: yeah they completely played right into Kansas City's hands. And that's why I say Kansas City did not necessarily win this game. The Niners gave it to them.
1: It's like in baseball. If you if you know you, if you if you're the pitching team and you got a feeling the other team you can see your signs and you're tipping pitches. Now not the Astros scenario, but tipping pitches. Yeah. Google it. I'm not going to get into it. Now it's a whole thing. You know, if you know it's going on and, and you're doing everything you can to stop doing it, and it's doing really well, and then you quit doing it, and they start finding your pitches again.
0: Yeah. This is where good teams take advantage of mistakes i yeah. mean i'm just, i'm trying to figure a way to reward it but no that's just honestly how it is it's, it's so simplistic and how it was yeah. done the mahomes just tore him apart that you're giving him time to get his receivers open this allowed the running game to finally get some momentum mm-hmm. damian williams finally took off yeah and once he got going and, and did you know the touchdown the first one he got It really shifted that momentum. They took the lead late. Yeah. Now, it was not a thing that the Niners were out of it. Right. But I think they were more stunned that Kansas City came back on them. Yeah. Which I completely get. Oh, yeah. But this is where the leadership of the Niners just really needed to go, okay, at this point we're down four. It's late. Because at this point Kansas City has now taken the lead 24 to
1: 20. Well, and I think this is maybe where the youthful inexperience of Kyle Shanahan comes in because were this a Mike McCarthy or a Sean Payton or a Bill Belichick, you know, not even three scores in like one score and two scores in with that fourth quarter. This is where you would have seen them pulling the defense in. Belichick a little more animated than the other ones, but they would have been talking and really getting the defense fired up and going, "Hey, we gotta solve this.
0: We okay. gotta stop this." Oh, absolutely. That's what I say. Great. Bel- co-
1: Belichick would have been ripping their heads off, but you know,
0: uh, yeah, the ho- hoodie would have gone and ran on the field and hit somebody himself. I think. Oh yeah, and I hate saying it as a Bills fan, but I the Patriots. If this was a situation, it would never have came to this. Never. No. But this is the difference between young coaches and great coaches you don't really have a young great coach right now. No. But this, there's a young promising one. There's but. promising. No, there's there's a couple promising ones. I'm not saying that, but this is where the experience and how to handle adversity like this mm-hmm. of basically blowing a 10-point lead late, yeah. being down by four, and then trying to trust your offense to drive down the field. And granted, San Francisco was, and if uh, Garoppolo did not overthrow Sanders, it mm-hmm. would have been a totally different ball game. but he did overthrow him. And once he took that sack late, too, that was all that you needed to say. Yeah. I mean, I think the other Damian Williams uh, garbage touchdown there to ice at thirty-one 31-20. Right. I'm not even counting because as far as I was concerned, the game was done 24-20. Mm-hmm. And then as time ran out, Kansas City.
1: They were, pro- uh, you know, San Francisco was just pressing like, oh, crap, we got to get
0: this solved now. Yeah. They pressed and they showed they were a young team. Kansas City, yeah. Kansas City looked the part because they didn't get too phased. And I can't stress that enough that – in my opinion, the Niners gave it to them. They panicked when they got the lead. Yeah. They, it's like you don't know what to do. It's, it's yeah. like you have a brand new toy and you're trying to be so careful with it mm-hmm. that you don't want to do anything to ruin it, and you wind up breaking it. It's essentially the same thing. Yeah. That when you sit there and look at it and go, "How did Shanahan and company give up ten points when they have been a very good defense?" Uh huh. When you have Nick Bosa on that side. And you have Sherman, who, I mean, like I said, is an adequate cornerback at this stage. Yeah. He's not elite, in my Uh, opinion, at this stage. He's no Stephon Gilmore. Right. Former Buffalo Bill, thank you for reminding me, that this is where that team has enough components that they should have shut down Kansas City to lock that lead in. To give up 10 points that late, absolutely stunning. Could not believe it, but you have to tip the cap to Patrick Mahomes and company that Kansas City knows that they have something special right now. And it showed in Mahomes' composure. He didn't get rattled, especially after throwing two interceptions that game. He went in there, led them right down the field, did what they needed to. Granted, they were doing – if you noticed, too – Once the momentum shifted, that's when they did that trick play spin move at the line of scrimmage. From the 1949 Rose Bowl Michigan playbook. Yeah. Good Lord. When you're doing stuff like that, you know momentum has shifted in your favor because there's no way they would have done that had they still been feeling like they were going to lose that game. No. No way. And then looking at it, time ran out. 31-20 was the final score. Mm Mm-hmm. And – the ghost, I guess, of not winning the big one is finally has been exonerated from Andy Reid. Yeah. I, I be it though, he's got a lot to thank for Patrick Mahomes on that one. Yeah. So, yeah, Patrick
1: I, Mahomes, you know, covered up a lot of issues they, they had during the game and he certainly made it better for him. I won't say easier because winning a Super Bowl is never easy. You know, you look at guys like Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and, and some of the other great quarterbacks that have been to the Super Bowl once a lot of them haven't made it back
0: since no it's very difficult to get to one Super Bowl let alone repeated I think that's why as much as I hate them I you have to respect the Patriots because well, the Patriots is an anomaly it's an anomaly it's an anomaly but still it shows how great that team is ran oh yeah I hate saying it. I truly do I mean as fun as it's been
1: to watch them play in what nine Super Bowls whatever it is in my lifetime you know you'll never see it again like it Arguably it, no. it shouldn't happen. Like you shouldn't have the same team with the same quarterback and the same head coach make it there like nine times.
0: No, you definitely shouldn't. And that's why it shows how special this era is for that team and mm-hmm. how, how well that organization has ran. I can't wait till the day it comes crumbling down as a fan. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting there foaming at the mouth about that because when Buffalo takes over, I'll be very happy. But to get back to Kansas City, the fact they got there, and like I said, this is the first time that they've been there in fifty years. Mm-hmm. To have that team win, yeah, and just the sheer emotion of just relief coming off that team. Oh god, Cause, yeah, because they've been so close, yeah, and yet they couldn't punch it in, yeah. And for Patrick Mahomes, especially with the season he's had, because let us not forget, damn near broke his leg, yeah. early in the season on yeah. a, on an egregious quarterback sneak that was not necessary, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, The fact he came back, and I know we were talking about it at the watch party, maybe he knocked a couple of years off his season for not coming back, or his career, rather, for coming back too early. But when you win the big one, I mean, that's the biggest band-aid of all. Mm-hmm. And for Kansas City, I don't know how they're doing on contracts other than Patrick Mahomes is going to be up for an extension, I believe, not next season, but the season after.
1: He's got some sort of option at the end of this year, or well, this point, where it's like a fifth-year option or something like that, that like can be exercised. I think it's like a team option or something like that. And uh, but it, that, but you know, they're going to exercise that and they're going to work something in the off season.
0: Oh, absolutely. There is no chance he's leaving Kansas City. No, no chance. No. I don't think he wants to. I don't think they want him to leave. Obviously, when you have some somebody special like that that can interject life into your team. And winning as they did for this one, because this was not a pretty game. This was a great game to watch if you didn't have a team involved. Yeah. But for Kansas City fans, you know he's not going to leave. He's embraced the city. There was the great story about, well, him and his girlfriend were out at the pizza place. Yeah. And nobody came up and bothered him. Nobody was asking for selfies. And he just literally got up and left with her and turned around and said, this is why I love Kansas City. Thank you so much. And he paid for everybody's dinner that was at their restaurant. Mm Mm-hmm. When you have somebody like that embracing the city and embracing the mentality of that city and their fan base, it's hard to walk away from. And like I say, Patrick Mahomes will be the most highest-paid player in the NFL when it comes time to it mm-hmm. unless he wants to do a Tom Brady discount to keep some weapons around him, which I don't doubt him doing. No,
1: I can't either. I mean, I think he looks at it and looks at you know some other players who yeah, they've gotten that payday and
0: they've gotten that big big old
1: check. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then you lo- he might look at the success going eh, the the payday is nice, but
0: wasn't much success around him. Well, you take a look at like a situation with Russell Wilson in Seattle. Yeah, and that contract. Not saying he doesn't deserve it because I fully believe he does. Yeah, but when you are living in the salary cap era, and let's make no mistake about this, uh-huh. the NFL salary cap is arguably the best ran salary cap uh-huh. because it gives true parity, in my opinion, to teams. That everybody has a shot to win. So that being said, to see the success of teams, it takes a lot of sacrifice, but winning will help mend any wounds that the wallet does have. This is true. And to say for next season, San Francisco does need some work, but I don't want to say this was a good loss, but this is one they're going to have to look back and go, where did we go wrong? And I will already tell you where you went wrong. You let the team off the hook. You uh-huh. let the wrong team off the hook because you thought the game was over when it was twenty to ten. I don't know necessarily about putting blame on Garoppolo because I think he did as much as he could, but that interception rattled him. Oh, and absolutely. It haunted him the entire rest of the game. For Kyle Shanahan, you have to th- just remember, okay, the Atlanta game is going to haunt you. This one is probably gonna haunt you. For future note. If you're having success in the first half, you don't need to be the one switching and making adjustments at halftime. Make minor ones, but when your team is demonstrating and imposing their will on the opposing team, you don't need to switch it up to the point where you stop running the ball effectively. Granted, Kansas City did make the changes when you gave them opportunities to. Yeah. If you're implementing your will and you're still up by 10 – why take the foot off the gas? You don't need to. Prevent defense doesn't work when you're not pressing everybody at the lines. And I will say this, too, very quickly about the refereeing. I didn't have a necessary issue with the refereeing in this game mm-hmm. because they were missing calls for both sides badly.
1: And here's the other thing, too. You can argue and complain about the refs until you're blue in the face and, and the proverbial cows come home. You still blew a 10-point leave. Absolutely. Like the refs don't factor in to you giving up three touchdowns unanswered in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Like when it's crunch time, it's go time, it's put up or shut up time. The refs don't do that.
0: Yeah, I fully. They might. They
1: might factor in on, on some plays, and they, you know, they might have blown some calls. Yes, but you can't put it all on
0: the refs. You definitely can't put it all on the refs. That's the one thing that I've heard many Niner fans doing, and you can't. Sure, they did make a very bad pass interference call. I will get. I will fully grant you that. But the facts remain. Even if you had scored on that play, you still didn't switch up your defenses. You didn't do enough to shut down Mahomes because you got away from what brought you to the dance. That first half was all Niners football. Score was close, but you shut down Patrick Mahomes from leading that offense. That's Uh that's the takeaway. You shut him down. You didn't shut him out. You shut him down. So if you can continue to do that, keep them off the field. This is how when New Orleans won their Super Bowl. What was the key to that? You kept Peyton Manning off the field. Mm -hmm. Not saying that you're comparing Peyton Manning to Patrick Mahomes. But the the blueprints there. But the blueprints there. If you can keep an elite quarterback off the field, your chances to win are greater. And that's what they need to focus on. I think the Niners will be back. I think the dynasty that they're building right now is going to be around for a while. And I think it's going to take minor tweaks by John Lynch, who you could definitely tell his frustration on the sidelines (laughs) that I appreciate that from a GM because that team played like John Lynch. That was hard-hitting in the first half. They were definitely pressuring. I don't know what happened in the second half to cause him to flip. I really don't. But guarantee you this, John Lynch will fix any issues with that team in this offseason. Not saying they're going to go crazy at free agency because I don't think they're going to, but he'll make enough changes within the draft. This Niner team will be back and get ready to make another run. Kansas City, congratulations and celebrate very wholeheartedly. You definitely earned that one. And for everybody else, we're all undefeated again. Uh So let's get ready for some football in a few months. But definitely hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about the Super Bowl? Did you think that... The Niners gave that game away, or do you think Kansas City really imposed their will and won that outright? Definitely want to have that conversation with you, so hit us up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, all. I'm Frank. Join me and my friends as we talk about all things geek. Here at Geek Freaks Podcast, we go over the weekly news of everything in geekdom,
0: from movies to TV, video games, and comic books. We also have a growing YouTube community. Join us as we go over everything in your geek life and share in the
1: love of geekdom.
0: Hi, this is Tyler from Second Souter, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it I want you to understand I'm doing the best I can But not as good as I want to be I just want to get it just want to that I have to make amends. The coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and let's talk some UFC MMA action. Uh-huh. UFC 247 is lined up for this weekend coming from Houston, Texas at the Toyota Center. Uh-huh. Big card, two title fights going on. Yep. Very, very, very excited for this. Uh-huh. So let us break it down, shall we? Sure. Now let's take a look at the main card. Okay. So the main card has a heavyweight fight that is very intriguing to me. Okay. And that is Derek Lewis, ah. who is a fan favorite in his own right. My he, ball's are well, you yeah, can see so
1: you can you can look up the clip.
0: You can look up he has some sound, sound bites galore, heavy hands is taking on Ilyer Latifi, who is moving up oh. to heavyweight. Usually okay. Ilya fights down at light heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, this one could go a lot of different ways. Derek Lewis, like I said, is a one-trick pony in his own right. He has hands for days. Yep. He will nail you with a shot. You're not going to go into him and face a jiu-jitsu master by any means. He will grab you and press you against the cage. Gas tank issues could be a factor, but if he lands a shot, I think the only person who throws harder in the UFC heavyweight division is Francis Ngannou. By far and away, Derek Lewis is going to come at you with hands, and that's the only thing that Latifi needs to worry about. Lativi stepping up to heavyweight is a very intriguing idea for me. Yeah. Now, he is a smaller gentleman. He's not exactly a tall, imposing figure. He will be stocky. He will be pressing against the cage. And this is where I think if he has any chance to beat Lewis, that's where he's going to do. He has to grapple him. He has to tire him out. He has to make Lewis work in the clinch.
1: Well, he listed at five foot ten inches, uh, one point seven eight meters. If you're uh, any of our listeners overseas, uh, whereas Derek Lewis is six foot three inches or one point nine one meters. Yeah.
0: So there is some advantages on this one uh, for both fighters. Pat, how do you see this going?
1: Uh, I I can't go against Derek Lewis sound bites notwithstanding. You know he's a veteran at this. He's seasoned at this. You know, Latifi, it's his first kind of go at it. I wouldn't be surprised if it's maybe a decision. You know, I'm not counting Latifi out by any means, but I think it's going to end up being Lewis at the end of it.
0: I have to agree. I think moving up is a good call for Latifi because he can definitely handle the weight, but he's not going to be as big as Lewis. Latifi, like I say, will use the center of gravity to press him against the cage. He's not going to give him a lot of room to work with if he's playing this smart. He needs to neutralize the striking of Lewis. If he gives Lewis time to move and get a haymaker wound up, it's going to be lights out. Yeah. Lewis, I think, knows this. And I think the one thing that he needs to demonstrate is, can he finish this early? Mm -hmm. Because the longer the fights go on with him, he does not have the greatest cardio. Yeah. I'm I'm just being a 1,000% honest. Yeah. But as we've seen in fights with Lewis, don't ever count him out from getting a right hand to get the victory. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of comeback victories from behind. And fights that he should not win, he does wind up pulling out. Yeah, this is in his hometown, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So I think he's going to definitely bring home the W. I am going to say a second round stoppage. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to clip him in the first. I think Latifi will press him against the cage, but I think the the size and strength advantage is going to go into Lewis's favor. So that should be a fun one. And like I'm calling it TKO in the second round. So let us take a look at the co-main event now. Women's flyweight title is on the line. Valentina Shevchenko versus Caitlin Chukagian. 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 I'm sorry. I apologize for butchering that. This one could be a sleeper on the card. Yeah. Now, this one, Shevchenko is on a roll, and I think that she has found her perfect weight class at flyweight. so she has been looking just impressive down there obviously if you can stand up to Amanda Nunez you can definitely do some damage mm-hmm Kagan uh has definitely no slouch on her own 13 and two win loss record yep notable wins against Joanne Calderwood and Alexa Davis uh she's been in there with Je- a lot taking a loss to Jessica I so This one, I really, it's hard to go against Sochenko.
1: I mean, you just look at the track record. You know, in in 21 professional rec matches, she's 18 3 with wins against uh, women the likes of Liz Caramouche, Jessica I, Joanna Jerjechik, uh, Juliana Penna. Holly Holm, Sarah Kaufman, you know, the list just goes on and on and on and on. You know, her only loss is coming up uh, against Amanda Nunez twice, and then Liz Karamouche, which was a doctor stoppage, uh, TKO, way back in 2010.
0: Yeah, so it's hard to go against Shevchenko. She just looks and represents this weight class so well that the striking I think is going to be the one to seal the win for her. I think that she is going to win this one. I wouldn't doubt this go into decision, though. Mm-hmm. I really don't. But I think Shevchenko is going to have an early stoppage of this one. Yeah, I'm going to say third-round stoppage. Okay. But like I said, this one could be a sleeper of a fight. I think both women match up very well in this. Mm-hmm. And it just depends on... Can the new fighter step in and get a title shot? And how are they going to react? Because Shevchenko has been here before. Yeah, and I think that that experience of getting that title shot, she already knows, and Shevchenko can use that to her advantage. Yeah, and like I said, I think as long as she can create some distance, she's going to do some damage. And this is her weight class till further notice. Right,
1: and and you know, not you can't necessarily count out Caitlin either because I mean, just looking at her at her professional record here, she hasn't had a fight stop early since uh, a fight for another federation way back in March of 2016, where she uh, knocked out her opponent 45 seconds into the first round. After that, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fights in a row, all going the distance and all going decision. Yeah. So, she, so she's going to have the cardio.
0: She'll definitely have the cardio. So I'm not doubting this going to decision. I just think it's going to be a matter of, The reigning defending champion, knowing what to do, going to want to get this done early and obviously make a statement with this. Because I know that for the lighter weight classes, they tend to fall below the shuffle of the UFC. Obviously, the men's division has all but been absolved. Um, I know that they're rumored to be bringing back the flyweights. Um, Henry Cejudo is going to stay at bantamweight, which is a scary weight class for him and his size. Yeah, So... Obviously with the flyweights and how they got rid of Demetrius Johnson and sent him to one championship, which I still think is one of the most egregious things they could have done. To see the flyweights take over here, the women's division is a very stacked division. Mm-hmm. And Shevchenko is just at that elite level of fighting for yeah. that that I think she's gonna do a lot of damage at that. Oh yeah. So let's get to the main event, shall we? Mm-hmm. Pad, John Jones. Yep. The John Jones against Dominic Reyes, twelve and oh. Yep. This is going to be hmm. interesting. Interesting is a good word to put for it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, John Jones speaks for himself. The record, the off cage incidents appear to be behind him, and I hope so. Yeah. In case anybody doesn't know, John is from the Six O Seven originally. So,
1: and if you don't know about his outside the cage incidents, we won't go into them. No, not because
0: won't. not because we don't want to talk about him. We, but
1: because we've talked about him before. But you know his Wikipedia page is a mile long. You know if you go if you go to his Wikipedia page, you go to Wikipedia search John Jones, you know UFC whatever, and you go to it like the little bar on the side where you scroll down is real tiny. Mm-hmm. You know, look just looking at it though, John, uh, six foot four inches tall, uh, one hundred and thirty nine centimeters for our folks overseas, uh, weighs in at two hundred and five pounds or a hundred or excuse me or ninety three kilograms or fourteen point six stones, uh, and has an eighty four and a half inch reach or two hundred and fifteen centimeters. Uh, whereas his opponent is six foot four inches tall or one point nine three meters, uh, weighs two hundred and five pounds or ninety three kilograms or fourteen point six stones, and has a seventy seven inch reach or one hundred and ninety six centimeters.
0: So let us break this down. Dominic Reyes is supposed to be the next big up and coming thing. I mean, heard that before. We've heard that before, and that- like,
1: I could go through John's mixed martial arts record and count the number of times that you know he's fought the next big thing.
0: Exactly, for Reyes, obviously, is no slouch. Being twelve and zero to be this far undefeated in the yeah. UFC and MMA is no fluke incident.
1: Especially when you beat Chris Weidman, Vulcan, Medier, Ovince St.
0: Peru, just to name a few. Just to name a few. So he has definitely had some competition. Uh, Weidman, though, like I, I, I do kind of question a little bit because this is when he moved up to. Yeah. Uh, light heavyweight, and still I still de- knocking him out though. Yeah, I, it's still it's a win, and it does its thing. One performance of the night, so I can understand that. I get that. I just kind of go, all right. Well, is it enough to get him a title shot? I think the problem that they have now in the UFC light heavyweight division is there's no real clear cut contenders. John's
1: run through the entire division.
0: Yeah, John has definitely stepped through. And if you look at, you just take a handful of his last fights, he's beaten Daniel Cormier. The current heavyweight champion of the U or um, yeah, Heavyweight. Current heavyweight champion. Uh, obviously Cormier stepped down to light heavyweight to fight him and couldn't get the job done. I mean, I'm just looking at UFC.com rankings for light heavy heavyweight. John
1: is a champion. I'll read off their their top whatever rankings. I say name. If he's fought him, just say fought him. Tiago Santos. Fought him. Daniel Cormier. Fought him. Anthony Smith. Fought him. Dominic Reyes. About to fight him. About to fight him. Corey Anderson. Has not fought him. Jan Blaskovitz has not fought him. Has not fought him. Volkan Uh
0: Has not fought him.
1: Nope. Uh, Alexander Gustafsson Fought him. Twice. Yep. Glover Teixeira. Fought him. Uh, Alexander Rakic. I don't think he's fought him.
0: No, Rakic is an up-and-comer, so he has not gotten him yet.
1: Johnny Walker hasn't fought him yet. No. Nope. Uh, Ilyar Latifi. No. Misha Serkinov. Uh, Nikita Krylov. And then uh, Jacare. You know, so just looking at, you know, we'll keep it top 10. He's fought one, two, uh, about a little more than half of those top 10 contenders. So it, it, he's literally run through the entire division.
0: He definitely has. And he defeated, and I need to correct myself, that Cormier is no longer the heavyweight champion. Oh. And, no, the Stipe Miocic. But Mioc- oh, that's right. But Miocic has been out of it for so long that I thought that they're going to do like a title contender, um, you know readjustment.
1: oh okay i got gotcha. you
0: so yeah so i have to correct myself on that miocic is the current heavyweight champion but cormier was the first champ champ to do it yeah and then obviously lost that to miocic uh so that being said john has carved his legacy yeah very very well in place yeah um this one i don't think is going to go any different no I think John at two hundred five is pretty much unbeatable. The one loss to Matt Hamill does not exist in a lot of fans' eyes, including look, my own.
1: In my mine too. Look up the clip. It should not. He shouldn't have that loss on his career.
0: He definitely shouldn't have that loss. And it's if a, if
1: you can't find it, you don't want to look it up. I'll give you the Cliff Notes, Spark Notes version of it. He was fighting Matt Hamill and was hitting him so much, and Matt Hamill was borderline not defending himself. And John looked up at the ref at the time and basically gave him the look of, what more do you want me to do? He's not defending himself.
0: Correct, and that is the one thing that getting to a technical term, he was disqualified for throwing a 12-6 elbow. Uh, but at that stage, Hamill was out on his feet.
1: Hamill was out and didn't know what day of the week it was. Yeah,
0: he should have been nowhere near, mm-hmm. nowhere near uh, getting that win. So we all have wiped that away from the record. For this one, though, John has shown that he can be defeated. Yeah. Tiago Santos showed up and did almost the unthinkable, and it's he, John squeaked out that win. Yeah. Completely squeaked out that, you know, a lot of fans thought Santos had won. So it's not to say that John is going to absolutely run through. Reyes, but in right. my in my opinion, right. Reyes is not there yet.
1: Right, but it, it's the same thing we said earlier though. You know, he you know fought Alexander Gustafson in twenty thirteen. Gustafson was supposed to be the next big thing, was supposed to be the guy, oh, this is gonna be the guy to defeat John Jones. Mm. He beat him. Glover Teixeira showed up, nope, no, you know what? This is gonna be the guy, he can hit hard, he can do this, he can do that, he's gonna be, be the guy to beat John Jones, John beat him. Daniel Cormier showed up, nope, this is gonna be the guy, this is gonna be the guy, this is the next coming. John beat him. You know, Ovens St. Peru, oh, you know, he's got a shot against Ovens. Ovin, so Ovens might be able to do it, and he didn't do it. Like, every time you hear one of these names come up that, and yes, you got to give them their due. Yes, you got to give them their title shot. They are deserving of it. But I, I kind of hate throwing the moniker on that they're the next big thing, they're the next thing, they're the next one to take down John Jones. Do it and prove it to me. Mm. You know, if, if you're able to do it, I'll. you know what, you're the next big thing. You are the next,
0: you know, big champion. And that's gonna be the test. And I just I'm sorry, I haven't seen enough of Reyes to go, he's the guy mm-hmm. to do it. I'm sorry, I just I haven't. And Reyes could prove me wrong. Absolutely. He can strike and he can grapple a little bit, but John is very good at stepping into an opponent's uh best practices oh, yeah. and beating him there.
1: We've said it before, John will analyze your your fight footage, your tape. He'll find out what you do best, and then he will game plan and strategize a way to take that away from you. You're really good at, at wrestling and getting guys on the ground. Guess what, boys? You're about to have a stand-up boxing match. Yeah. You're you're a real good boxer, and you're able to box you know Mike Tyson's ears off in his prime. Guess what? You're having a wrestling
0: match. You're definitely having a wrestling match, and I think that we might see one for a little bit in this that I think he's going to want to establish that he's in there to win and he will take Reyes out of his own game plan. Mm-hmm. Reyes will contend with him, and I don't think he's going to get absolutely first-round knockout by any chance. Yeah. But I think that what you're going to have is John is going to show why he is and considered some eyes the GOAT, that in some fans' opinion, he cannot be defeated at this weight class. Mm -hmm. And I've had this discussion with people on Twitter, and they are fully buying into John is the guy. I'm not saying he isn't by any means. He could be. And obviously the off-cage incidents have – definitely stained his legacy for what could have been. Yeah. But he has come back. He looked very good in the Santos fight. He is saying the right things. It looks like he's in a better place, which...
1: Lord, you would hope so at this point.
0: He has no room for error. No. None. No. And he cannot afford to screw up.
1: And one would hope, because, yeah, he's from the area. Yes, you know, he was a couple years ahead of me in high school. I would like to see the guy do well. But you've been given... In my opinion, far more opportunities than you deserve, and I hope to goodness that you fi- that he finally realizes this is it. I screw up one more time, I'm done.
0: You have to be. There is no gray area that you can sit there and say another, you know, off cage incident, and I get to skate on. You can't. I know they're testing him left and right. Yeah, and he's been, I think, arguably the most tested athlete for performance enhancing. Uh, drugs yeah in recent memory yeah but he's passed i don't think they tested lesnar this much i don't think so either and he has passed everything thus far since, yeah since he had nothing has,
1: nothing has come out saying he's flunked anything mm-hmm.
0: and if you've seen the and,
1: and lord knows given his track record and everything that's going on with him and, and positive tests you know that'd be out in a heartbeat
0: oh it absolutely would be so they're watching him very closely as he should but to john's credit he has passed everything yeah so that being said I think this is going to be, I don't want to say short work for John, but I think that this is not going to go past the third round. Not to say Reyes is not going to contend, but I think that when John starts creating distance – he starts doing those knee kicks, yeah. Where he starts popping back the joint, so the opponent can't stand on his leg, yeah. And he starts landing some elbows because I think the reach advantage mm-hmm. is going to help John out a lot. Oh, oh yeah, it's helped out John for years. Yeah, I mean, I think the only one that was even to him was Gustafson, and he ran yeah. through Gustafson the second time around.
1: Yeah, he not that was I was going to bring that up. That was actually the last time a John fight didn't go decision. His last two fights against Tiago Santos and Anthony Smith, uh, respectively, uh, both went the distance five minute, five-round fights. Uh, his second fight against Guffstasen back in 2018 uh, ended at two minutes and two seconds into the third round when he knocked out Guffstasen.
0: Yeah. So that being said, I think John is going to get the W again. I think it'll be an interesting fight if Reyes can pull off the underdog pick. I mean, a lot of people are going against him, as, as John's record has warranted. Mm-hmm. And like I say, me personally, I haven't seen enough in Reyes to go, that's the guy. Yeah. I don't know if there is anybody currently in that division. Uh, I do like Rakic. I uh-huh. think he's got a possibility. I don't think Corey Anderson is going to be the guy. Blankowitz, maybe, but I, I kind of doubt that one as well. Yeah. And then Johnny Walker was the guy I thought had all the potential. He took a bad loss his last fight. So it's hard to say where John goes from here. Uh-huh. There is two contenders that are jumping in. One is... Israel Adesanya, yeah. the current middleweight champion, yeah. uh, has gone on this really weird social media quest yeah. to fight John. Yeah. Trash talk has been there. I know there's been talk that Adesanya was even thinking about following him up to heavyweight. Which, ah, Lord have mercy, I just no. If if anything, Adesanya needs to worry about Joel Romero first because I believe that that is his next contender. Then after that, if you want to go fight John. And jump up to 205? Sure. Well,
1: and I think that might be the next route for John, you know, factoring, okay, he wins his fight this weekend. That might be the next route, because like some of the names we mentioned, yeah, they might be contenders for John at some point, but I don't look at any of them and go, you know what? That's the next guy that needs to take him on after this weekend. Like, that, that might be the next step is one of these supposed, you know, fights that they've been talking about and, and you know, they've been Twitter beefing with, you know, the last couple months.
0: Yeah. So Adesanya would make some sense if they don't want to bump up a Corey Anderson to fight him, which I know Corey has been very vocal that he wants to fight sure. John, but so does everybody. If you've got a yeah. chance to— If you're
1: fighting in a division and not at least it's at some level saying you want to take on the champ, then you're not doing something right.
0: Right. The only other option, though, for John, and this one I could see happen, but there's got to be a lot of things happening to see this, is John move up to heavyweight. Now, Miosic, and this is why I forget that he's champion. He's been out for a while because mm-hmm. if memory serves me right, he does have an injury that he's currently working through. The severity, I'm not sure because, in my opinion, it was supposed to be Cormier versus Miosic, and they were supposed to run back the main event because that's where Miosic got that knockout on him. I don't think John is going to fight Cormier at heavyweight. I just I don't see that. I could see John fighting Miocic at heavyweight. Uh And I think that that fight makes a lot of sense as well because Miocic, let's face it, one of the best heavyweights that has ever fought in the UFC. And to win consecutively and defend his belt at heavyweight has always been no slouch either. We have to remember that. For John, though, I mean, obviously he's been a step ahead on a lot of different categories. Can John go up to heavyweight and be a double champ champ? I mean, anything is possible. I don't know if it would happen per se, but that would be another option that if they want to go and have that fight, sure. I could fully see that.
1: Uh, it looks like I'm doing a quick Google search according to MMAJunkie.com. Uh, this article was written a week ago. Miocic is cleared.
0: Oh, he is cleared. He's
1: medically cleared. Uh, the article read, this is from uh, the art, uh, author, Nolan King. Uh, it says, quote, Stipe Miocic has finally gotten medical clearance. Uh, UFC heavyweight champion Miosic nursed an eye injury for five months following okay. his comeback victory over then-title holder Daniel Cormier this past August at UFC 241. After being honored as the Cleveland, Greater Cleveland Sports Awards Pro Athlete of the Year, Miosic gave reporters a positive update. The baddest man on the planet recently was medically cleared and has resumed sparring. Uh, I'm better, a lot better, Miosic said. It's healed up. I'm taking my time with it because I'm 37, so I don't want to injure it again. I want to be able to see out of both eyes when I get older. That's all I really care about right now. I love fighting, but my health is more important. Uh, I was cleared about a week ago. I've been trying to spar a little bit. It's been rough because I've not sparred in over five months. The guys that I take it out on would uh, take it out on me. It's not been fun. I'm thinking about that in the back of my mind, Close quote. So he's medically cleared, and he's nursing an eye injury, but he's just taking his time because, well, seeing out of both eyes is preferable.
0: And that makes sense. Okay, I I did not know he got cleared. I knew it was an injury, and I know he's been working on it. Um, Obviously, his eye, that is nothing to rush back from. Exactly. So taking a look at his record, though, he did lose to Cormier the first time. He won back the second time. Yep. So that's why I need to remember, because I always get that mix up, like, who's the heavyweight champion? Because we haven't seen that belt defended in a very, very long time. Yeah. So that being said... This is how I would play it out if I'm Dana White. When Miosic is cleared, Daniel Cormier said he's got one more fight left in him. Yeah. You make Miosic Cormier 3. Winner of that, if let's say Miosic wins, that's when you talk John Jones and moving up. Yeah. And do it do it one time. I know John cuts down to get to 205, make that fight for heavyweight. That is your big box office draw. If Cormier wins, I don't know if John comes up. I don't know if I want to see that fight. Again. I I don't, I don't. But the only the only thing that would catch my attention with this one is Cormier at heavyweight. This is his natural yeah. weight. that's the that's where I think he would have an advantage.
1: It's it's his natural heavyweight. But you like you just said, John comes down for two hundred five. Right, but so he already. Wa- he, it sounds like he already walks over
0: what the two of the heavyweight limit is. I think he walks around at like two twenty, two thirty. Okay, he's, he's somewhere. Yeah, so if, it's
1: not so it's not not much of a drop, if anything at all. No, you know. So again, I you know he's beaten Cormier twice. I realize the one fight is a no contest. Yeah, still beat him. You know, John's two and zero against him, and decisively two and zero against him. You know, I I don't need to see this again.
0: Not necessarily, and like I say, it's just it would be something that if they really wanted to push that fight, but I don't think so. I think Cormier is... I mean, he's, Cormier's over it. Yeah, well, well, Cormier should. I mean, he's on the other side of 40 now. Yeah. There's really only one fight to do, and especially that trilogy fight with Miosic is the only one that makes sense. But if Miosic wins that one, hell yeah, you do that fight with John Jones. Yeah. That one is a lot of history and legacy on it. The Adesanya one, if you want to give an upcoming star a shot, mm-hmm. sure. But Anasanya needs to worry about Yoel Romero first because that's the main event for UFC 248. Right. So the kid needs to kind of get back focused on his opponent at hand because Yoel hits very hard. Yeah. And Yoel could knock him out if he's already looking ahead to John. I don't want to say John has the Conor McGregor status that everybody sees it as being a big payday, but... I know fighters want to get at them, but yeah. stay, stay in your lanes first, and then let's kind of see where the chips fall. It's
1: like a f- famous man once said, know your role, and, well, you know the rest.
0: Exactly. But UFC 247 is going to answer a lot of questions and also raise some more. We gave you our picks for the main event because we all said John. We all said Shevchenko. Mm-hmm. So... If you think you got a different pick and you think Dominic Reyes is going to pull off the upset or we're going to have an end new women's flyweight champion, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts going into UFC 247? And if John wins, where does he go from here? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. so wonderful Wondersoul. soul. Wonder soul. Wonder soul. Wonder soul. Hey, I'm Lucas, the host of Wondersoul, a weekly podcast series featuring a variety of topics dealing with life's many passions and experiences. Join me and friends each week as I discuss topics ranging from pop culture to real-life conversations that all can find relatable. New episodes bring new guests and new topics and release every Friday. More content can be found on Wondersoul's YouTube and Twitch channels. Stay up to date and connect with Wondersoul through social media by following us on Twitter and Instagram. And we hope that you enjoy Wondersoul wherever you listen to podcasts. So do good and take care. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And man, I wish Coach Duffy was in studio for this one.
1: Uh, word is he's running up Broadway or maybe somewhere around uh, 32nd Street.
0: Seriously, if anybody has any visual video of him storming Madison Square Garden right now, we need it sent to the ODPH Twitter so at Lord ODP help Parlay me. Hour.
1: Lord help me. I've got to check out. Let's hope the Knicks aren't playing there tonight because he might get banned from the Garden.
0: Uh, I'm not doubting it. Um, if you want to keep... Tabs on where Coach Duffy is, though, you can hit him up at Coach Duffy 11 on Twitter and see where he's at. Because Oh, good, sure they're not
1: playing a game for another two days.
0: I'm it sure is a he, home game. I'm, I'm sure that home game is going to be rocking. Coach might be trying to get tickets for it. It's
1: against the Magic.
0: But everybody's probably asking, well, Ken, Pad, what's so big about the Knicks? Well, in I don't want to say typical Knicks fashion. Is
1: anything typical with the Knicks these days?
0: With James Dolan running the team – Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Two days prior to the trade deadline in the NBA, the Knicks have announced that they they're have
1: signing LeBron James. Oh wait, sorry, I'm a few years late. Yeah, I was gonna say you're a couple years behind on that
0: one. Oh. Steve Mills, their president, has been
1: relieved of his duties. I mean, is anybody ever really a president when you have James Dolan running the ship? It almost it almost feels like, you know, it almost feels like the queen over in England. Like, okay, yeah, she's the queen
0: technically, but it's like a figurehead type position. You have to think so. And I almost
1: feel like anyone who's president of the Knicks, okay, you're a figurehead president. You're not really doing anything.
0: No, definitely not. Uh, General Manager Scott Perry has taken over for him in time being, uh, as they go out and search for a replacement. So, Pad, what can you say about this move? I mean, I'm not
1: surprised. You know, it, like like we said, it's the Knicks. I mean, if if ESPN were ever to do a 30 for 30, that like I would sit and watch with popcorn. It would be about the Knicks from the last from the turn of the century you know from the from you know obviously lead in and start and talk about their heyday and and the great teams in the 90s and then just kind of the turn mm-hmm. and and the, and the descent into i don't even know what word you can use that accurately describes their their fall in in the new millennium if you will you know but i
0: cannot say i'm surprised i i am and i'm not it, it got to the, the point with the dolan administration that i honestly thought <laughs> That Mills was one of those untouchables mm-hmm. that was never going, and I no, I don't root for people to get fired per se, but when you're not doing a great job and the team is just continuously getting bad, the off season did not do any favors to bolster your team's roster up. Mm-hmm. You got to make changes. It's just it's the way of pro sports, and we as fans accept this. We get this. If a team is losing, you have to shake something up, whether it's trade players, get new coaches, what have you. With the Knicks, we need a new owner, and I think that there is no question about that. But since that's not looking like it's going to happen anytime soon. No,
1: it looks like I'll be rooting for the Red Sox before the uh, Knicks get a new owner.
0: And that is a very, very cold statement. Mm Mm-hmm. The Knicks fan base is demanding some change, and they got it. Because at the last home game, the chance of sell the team were very, very loud. <laughs> you could hear them. And it's getting ugly in the garden. Yeah. And but that's
1: the... what we said it would take.
0: Yeah. You, you have to make you
1: got to hit them in the wallet, or you got to make it so that they cannot ignore it on a nationally televised game. Now, I realize for the Knicks, those games are few and far between at the garden. Mm-hmm. As bad as the team is, but... You want to get Dolan out. You want to really send a message that hey, we're not happy with how things are are going. Quit watching the games on TV. Quit going to the games. Don't buy the merch. You know, don't anything associated with them. Don't go to it. Don't buy it. Don't watch it.
0: No, the fan base decided to go PCU. If you've ever seen that movie, they did the "We're not going to protest" scene. Mm-hmm. In, in in short, the Knicks fan base has demanded change. James Dolan decided to appease them. It appears. Albeit, though, now the question is where do we go from here? And that is <laughs> going to be the puzzling factor moving forward. There is no real replacement in the wings. It wasn't like there's was an heir apparent. The hot name that has been getting rumored, and James Dolan has been very public i guess to a degree about yeah. about wanting to acquire toronto's Raptors president messiah ujiri uh-huh to come and take over the team it's going to take a lot to make that happen now i'm not yeah. saying it's not possible but pad let me ask you this uh-huh. do you see this happening
1: um maybe i mean the thing i did see earlier today was that dolan wants to have a setup maybe like a toronto or golden state with at least how their front office is run, and I think that makes sense. You look at, the, obviously, the success Toronto's had in the last few years, especially last year, and you look at the success Golden State has had. Now, is some of that with Golden State a bit of luck? I, yeah, maybe. You know, the luck of ending up where you did in the draft and then landing Curry and, and Draymond and Clay Thompson and all that, but I think in terms of if you can get the right people in the front office that can get the right pieces onto the floor for you where you don't have nine power forwards or whatever god-awful... It, whatever setup it is where they're got like they loaded at one position and you can have a nice, balanced team that really plays well off of each other, I think that'll work for them. I mean, listen, they can't get any lower than they already are.
0: No, definitely not. Uh, I want to see this happen in the worst way. I know Coach did text Yajiri with a lot of exclamation points, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming he's on the same page as I am, and I can only see this happen in one way. Dolan has to pull whatever strings he can give up whatever draft picks he has Mm -hmm. and go get him. However, Toronto wants to make this deal to compensate because they have done this before. This is not unheard of to try acquiring, um, and, uh, somebody in the upper management of a team to trade teams essentially, but it Mm -hmm. takes picks. It takes a lot of moving parts. If I am James Dolan and I know my fan base is, is getting quite vocal that I can't shield this with smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. I need to do something that is going to hopefully win them over. Now, I
1: mean, personally, I think they're past the point of smoke and mirrors.
0: Well, in Dolan's eyes, though, yeah, that's the thing. Dolan, yeah. Dolan is a different cat. Yeah, it's kind of like that one meme where the the dog is sitting in in the room. Oh, yeah, and, this and, is fine, and this is fine. Yeah, this is fine. That is the perfect analogy to describe. What you we are assuming Dolan is thinking? Although I think if
1: this if that were the case, the room isn't certainly on fire enough for Dolan.
0: No, no, the the room's burnt down at this point. Yeah. So for Dolan, you got to make a splash. Now I know that you were talking about if he wants to try copying what Golden State's blueprint mm-hmm. and
1: at least with for at least with the front office,
0: with the front office, but they really took a risk and got player or people in there that were not necessarily yeah. Qualified for the position, not saying it didn't work out. Cause oh yeah, it, it definitely Einstein did. hindsight twenty twenty, right? But to get people in and get player agents involved, I it, it's it's a crazy idea, but it's not unheard of to do. Right. And if you can pull off the track record, Golden State did, which I mean, there are so many people involved to building that. Dynasty. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. So it, it's it's hard to say lightning can strike twice or three times because I know the Lakers kind of did it with Palinka. Yeah. But you have to think. You got to try something. You have to do something too. Because
1: good lord, it, it, it's like with the Yankees. They kept, you know, signing these old, old veteran players who were all stars and this and that, but they were kind of on the back end of their career. And look what it got them. It didn't get them anything. And the, now they've gone young, and they're getting a little bit better. You know, the Knicks are kind of doing the same thing. They're spinning their tires, and you know, the mystique and the aura of playing for the Garden and in the Knicks is is kind of gone a little bit. Well, is I- it is it still there? Yeah. Is it still the Garden? Is it still the Mecca? Is it still the next? Yeah, it still does command a little bit of a respect. But I think for a lot of players, there's it's it's kind of like, an ah, I don't really want to go there. Like, the team's not that good.
0: I See, here's where I stand, and I know I've said this on past episodes, and I'm going to stick to my guns about this. In my opinion, what Dolan needs to do is if Solid he— Solid team. Well, okay, perfect world, sure, we <laughs> do this. Unperfect world because that's where we live in. He has to go. Okay, Messiah, what will it take for me to get you out of Toronto Mm -hmm. personally? Yeah. Do I need to be hands off with the team? You got it.
1: I I think even regardless of the scenario, that needs to happen. Yeah. You know because we've read and we've heard how hands on James Dolan is with this team. Look what it's gotten you. You know what? Two playoff appearances in the last two decades. Mm -hmm. Or whatever crazy stat it is, you know, you've been hands on and it hasn't worked. I think you need to get this new person in, whether it's Messiah from Toronto, whoever it is, if it's even maybe Coach Duffy, you know, get this person in there. Take your hands off. Don't, you know, don't show up to a meeting unless you absolutely have to. If it's a, if it's a front office management meeting about what you're going to do in the off season and what, what players you're going to sign and what players you're looking at drafting, stay out. Like you're the owner, you 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 cut the checks, you write the checks, you pay the bills. You know, at the end of the day, you really shouldn't have anything to do in the decision making process. No,
0: I, I fully agree.
1: Because what what basketball experience do you have? Did did you play to an NBA championship? Did you coach to an NBA championship? Did you win an ABA championship? Like, I, did you win? You know, whatever the lowest form of basketball, organized basketball is. Did you win that?
0: I'm guessing it was NBA Jam '94. Uh, if he's lucky. Yeah.
1: You know, but like I said, he's got to take his hands
0: off. He's got to take his hands off. But what I would do, and I and I think this statement, what I'm going to say, might be the tipping point. Mm-hmm. If I am Messiah, you're a J. I go okay. I come to the team. You are hands-off. I'm allowed to do what I want, and you need to publicly apologize to Charles Oakley. Ooh. Mark my words. I think that incident, which I have gone on record on this show and said that that is the lowest point in Nick's history. Egregious. If he made Dolan publicly apologize at half court and said, you really want me bat- that bad? Swallow your pride. Be a big man. Oh yeah, and, and, and
1: whoever it ends up being, I feel has to go in with a set of stipulations, you know, for what they want to do the job. Because unless you do, unless you don't, and you go in there, and go, oh yeah, I'll take the job, and, and it's just you know status quo. You're you're working on borrowed time. That okay, you're in control, but at the end of the day, Dolan's still running things, and Dolan's still doing this, doing and doing that. You're on borrowed time. You're, you're essentially taking a paid vacation to really not do anything. Exactly. You 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 know whoever it ends up being, you got to go in with a set of stipulations. Going, all right, I want A, B, C, X, Y, and Z for in order for me to come, and these are non-negotiable.
0: Yeah, and I think you have to throw the Oakley thing in there because I think how players looked at that as well as Knicks fans is and in general too. If your owner is treating a legend of yeah. your franchise yeah. like that, yeah, kicking him out of the garden because what he criticized the team, yeah. I'm sorry.
1: I mean, you look at other organizations, Dallas and Dirk, you know, you, you can maybe even say Golden State and Baron Davis, you know, you other organizations where the players show up for a game, whether it's just, hey, they're in town and they want to check out a game, they haven't checked out a game in a while, standing ovation, music played, they're shown on the big screen. Hey, welcome back for the first time in however many years, insert player. What happens with the Knicks? Get the hell out. You criticize my team.
0: Yeah, and that just you're goes bar- – You're barred from the garden. That shows how fragile his ego is, and that's why I'm saying whoever the GM is, like I hope Uri J does it, and I hope they go, okay, we're going to trade. I don't care if you get rid of the two draft picks you got coming up in the next couple of years. If you get him hit him in there, he will build you a team. Yeah. He will get you a free agent. I'm not saying we're getting Giannis. I'm I'm not saying that. But he will build a team up. We will get a contender in a couple of years if you let him do his thing. But the, the linchpin is going to be – In my eyes, you give him complete control of the team, let him do what he needs to do, Mm -hmm. but I would also make the cherry on the Sunday. You publicly apologize to Oakley because if players see that the front office has a player's back like that, Mm -hmm. they're going to say, you know what? It's a new regime. I'm willing to go. Yeah, I'm not saying you're going to have a landslide of people in there. Oh, God, no. But if that happens, your PR is fixed, it sends a good message. Well,
1: yeah, because with the Oakley thing – if you're a current player or potentially a future player for the Knicks, what would make you want to go there if you that's the treatment you're going to be facing when you put your blood, sweat, and tears on the court for that team, for that name on your front, mm-hmm. you know, for the name of the team on your front, where you sacrifice your life, your livelihood, and time with your family to play for this team only for you to turn around and go, the, the team to turn around and go, yeah, you're barred from the you're barred from the arena.
0: Exactly. Like I said, it was such a despicable act that Dolan did, and he needs to publicly apologize. Like I say, on center court, you apologize right to him and give him like his own courtside seat the rest of his days. I don't care how you want to do it, as long as he accepts it, and it's it's what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So that being said, all right, you can let your Jay come in there or whoever's going to come in, and honestly, you blow up the team. You keep everybody but Mitchell Robinson. Or I mean, you get rid of everybody except Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett. Everybody yeah. else, everybody else, move, do something with, it, and make a contender out of it. Because now it's been seven years of the Knicks missing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in New York City. Arguably, eight this with this year. We'll it'll be eight this year, but it's currently seven. You can't do that this year. You can't do that in New York. I'm sorry. You can do it this year because this year is just a wash. And completely. I know Mike Miller has kind of had a rough shake as coach, but is what is. The talent's not there. I know. The they will, whole, nobody was expecting much out of this team this year, though. No. Nah, like I said, they had potential. Yeah. But at the same point, we obviously, we see with a new head coach in there, we see a lot of different situations. As the ball bounces, you can write it off as a soap opera if hey, you want
1: to. Hey, but at least they don't have the worst record in the NBA. Small victories.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll take. Yeah, I'll take my small victories. And plus, what is our record against Brooklyn? I'll take that. Yeah, that's right. I said it. We can at least beat Brooklyn, and that is all that matters that I don't have to deal with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And I know Durant's out, but Kyrie, we can beat him. That's all I take my solace for this year. But give me a contender moving forward. That's what I'm asking. Can the Knicks do it? I don't know. But I'm saying the blueprint is if I'm Urije, up in Toronto. Knicks are
1: 2-2 two and two against Brooklyn this
0: year. Still. Take it as a victory. Figured I'd look it up. Thank you. But I'll take it as my victory. That being said, going to the original take to get a GM in there, you need to call shots. You need to turn the culture around. You need to be somebody that can really impact this team and the city to make the city get behind it again. The Knicks fan base is loyal. Mm -hmm. And like I say, it's the most dysfunctional relationship possible. So say
1: they put up with a lot of crap over the years.
0: Uh huh. I'm still rocking my orange and blue. I take no shame in that. But I know what I'm expecting. And this, I'm not saying we're getting Giannis. I'm not saying the hype is going to build up again. What I'm saying is, if Dolan wants to repair his fragile ego, this is what he needs to do. You call Toronto. You say, what is it going to take to get your J out of there? Done. You don't even wait. You just say, done. Sign off draft picks. Sign off what you need to do. Make it happen. And then when he comes down, that you just let him do his thing, and I hope that he says you need to apologize to Oakley because I guarantee you that will send a message to players. So that being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the Knicks move? Can the relationship be repaired with Dolan and the fan base? I say no, but the step in the right direction would be get Irreje from Toronto and have him do what I said have him give complete control and make Dolan apologize to Charles Oakley. That being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest
1: podcast in Bington.
0: Woo! us Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pat, kick us off with that local minute. Local minute, of course,
1: we're talking some Binghamton Devils hockey news. Looking at their games from this past week, uh, they won their game on Friday against the Providence Bruins by the final score of three to one, and then they dropped their game on Saturday, February first, uh, excuse me, against the Rochester Americans, losing by the final score of three to two. Looking at their games for this coming week, uh, they are traveling to Wilkes Barre to play the Penguins on Wednesday. Uh, Friday they are traveling out to Cleveland to play the monsters on Friday February 7th and then Sunday February 9th rare Sunday game for them. Uh, they are still in Cleveland playing the monsters. Uh, they return home however on Wednesday February 12th game time 705 to play against the Syracuse Crunch. more games and information at binghamton devils.com.
0: Now, Coach Duffy is not here, as we've stated on the show, so I'm going to take over the Binghamton Bulldogs okay. section here. Uh, Bulldogs did lose a tough one to Wyoming Valley this past weekend uh, 120 to 114. Uh, so, highly, highly contested bout, but Wyoming Valley is the number one overall ranked team in the ABA. Oh. Bulldogs have dropped to number eight with a loss. So you can't really be mad about that one too. So the Binghamton Bulldogs currently 11 and three in the ABA. Wyoming Valley 14 and 0. So they're the last lone undefeated team in all of the ABA. So Pad, mm-hmm. the Bulldogs are traveling this weekend. Okay. Guesses where?
1: Uh, Syracuse.
0: Yes, they're heading up to the Onondaga Community College game uh gym there for the rivalry game against the fifth ranked Syracuse stallions Ooh. 13 and 2. now if you are a new listener to the show, why is this important? This is the rivalry game of games for the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs defeated the stallions down here at St Pat's gym and they are looking for revenge. This is highly emotional a lot of trash talk on the social media between the teams. They had, to ma- they had to actually move the game to accommodate more seating. Wow. And one thing I want to give a shout-out to the Syracuse Stallions as well, they have been putting up billboards Ooh. all over Syracuse wow. to hype the game up. Uh, they tweeted it out. We actually retweeted it. I thought that was such a cool look to hype up the game too because yeah. we haven't really seen too much of that here and not taking a shot at the Bulldogs sure, in any way, sure. kind of shape, or form. But Syracuse is going fully all out to – have the rematch big fight feel. So, that being said, that is this Saturday night, 8 o'clock. More information, binghamtonbulldogs.com, or go to their Facebook page because it is very, very much more active. So, you definitely want to get involved in that. So, that being said, it's going on there. And there was a quick breaking news that was going on as well that there is a venue change for the Bulldogs and Oniana. Okay. February 22nd, the game was supposed to be held in Oneana. It has now been moved to Binghamton. Hmm. So if you were planning on going to that game in Oneana on the 22nd, the game has been moved to St. Pat's. Like we said, more information, BinghamtonBulldogs.com or hit them up on Facebook, Facebook.com slash BinghamtonBulldogs. And we have to give a quick shout-out to the one and only Johnny Moose and Team Excite for Excite Wrestling this past weekend. Yeah, Another packed house down at the X. Fun times had by all. Great independent pro wrestling. I know that Rich from 3FN was talking about this as well on the wrestling show, which you're going to hear on our network for the month of February. trying to give a nice signal boost to it. Johnny has to start streaming this on independentwrestling.com or independentwrestlingTV. So we're going to have to start hyping on him. The cards have been great. A lot of fun action. So if you can get down to the X, they're having another show first of the month in March. Excitewrestling.com for more information on that. So, Pad, let's round those bases and take sure. the show home.
1: Yeah. Okay, we're in the bases. I got to talk a little bit of baseball because, hey, we are like less than 10 days away from pitchers and catchers reporting, and I am very much excited for that. Uh, I don't believe the Yankees trucks have left for Tampa yet because they haven't put the photo out on social media. However, I know manager Aaron Boone is on his way down. Uh, he did tweet up today that he was on a train bound for Tampa. So we know uh, spring training is right around the corner. That means warm weather is right around the corner, and I am all for that. Uh, although I do have some happy news. Uh, it was announced today by the Philadelphia Phillies that they will retire Roy Hollis number 34 uh this upcoming season on the 10th anniversary of his perfect game which wow hard to believe it's been 10 years since he threw the perfect game on may 29th against the uh florida marlins or excuse me uh yeah game against the florida marlins i remember watching that game uh i was up at my grandparents house uh having hanging out and stuff and down on their t watching the end of the game on MLB Network on their uh, television and, and just seeing kind of the craziness that was going with that. And also, I think that was the that was the year, one of the last years I did fantasy baseball, and I actually had him on my uh, fantasy baseball team. So, so, hey, can't complain about that. But no, honestly, well-deserved for him. You know, two-time Cy Young award winner. You know, he pitched the 20th perfect game in, in Major League Baseball history, like I said, against the Florida Marlins. It was a one-to-nothing one to victory, you know, for everything that his family's been through since he tragically passed away back in November of 2017. It's kind of a just – it's kind of a nice send-off for him.
0: Absolutely. Holiday was just that pitcher that, as a Yankee fan, you hated facing him. Uh-huh. You absolutely hated facing
1: Yeah, up. especially when he was with the Blue Jays. I remember looking at you know the paper that morning. All right, well, the Yankees face facing – oh, they're facing the Blue Jays. Oh, God, please don't be Holiday. Please
0: don't be Holiday. Yeah, just tremendous player on the field and obviously – you know, it's a horrible loss, but to see him get honored like that, I yeah. think it's very, very cool. Yeah. So for my round in the base, well, let me let me start off on the happy note. Okay. It has been confirmed by Dana White talking a little more UFC action that Jorge Masvidal and Kamaru Usman are going to be fighting in July. Oh, Lord. On International Fight Week. Oh, Lord. So that is lock, stocked, and barreled. The official posters have not come out yet but they are going to be locked and loaded for International Fight Week capping off that weekend Usman versus Masvidal That'll be a good one. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, I know they got into it on media row in the Super Bowl and <laughs> Yeah, they did. And that, that was wild. It, it's it's wild and I, I agree with Dana too. Like you can't have your fighters going into another sports presser like that yeah. and wiling out it's as they It's not a good did. look. It's not a good look. Because those guys are not people to kid around when, when, you
1: know, there's still a certain majority or percentage of the population that thinks it's a barbaric sport, that it's, you know, archaic, that why do we, why is it even a thing? It's not a good idea to have two of your your fighters go into, like you said, another sports biggest event of the year or the lead up to it and then start trying to throw hands like you're not helping your, yourself out here.
0: No, you're definitely not. And I think that is such a bad look for that. But on the flip of the coin, if it gets them to finalize, okay, you have a contract, it's going to get signed, Mm -hmm. you're going to have the biggest showcase it is that we can do in the UFC because International Fight Week, if you're not familiar with, is a week in Vegas that celebrates everything and anything MMA. It's an amazing time if you can get out there if you're a fight fan. It's going to be a rocking night when they do that fight on the weekend. Stack that card. They're going to stack that card like nobody's business. That's going to be like UFC anniversary-style card for that mm-hmm. one. And with Usman and Masvidal, it clears up a lot of room. That It takes yeah. a couple people off the chessboard, so to speak. Yeah. So the Conor McGregor sweepstakes, all signs point to Diaz at this stage. Just saying.
1: Or Stockton.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Coach, the coach is going to have something to say about that when when that rolls around.
1: That's if he's not uh, back from sharing about the next yet.
0: Well, that's true. We, we're still waiting for confirmation as we're recording at CoachDuffy11 on Twitter. But to close the show out... I said last week we were going to preview it. We're going to talk about it. This Saturday, Vince oh, McMahon returns with the XFL. He's
1: losing money on this. I just want to point this out. Yeah. At the start, he's losing out on, like, I think if I read today earlier today, right, he's losing out on, like, $375 million on this thing already.
0: Yeah, I just I don't get it. I don't care. I, I, I don't either. I'm just mentioning this because this is going to be noteworthy if this takes off or this fails.
1: I'll, I'll care about it about as far as I did with the what was it the AFL
0: yeah the uh, AAF.
1: AAF I'll care about it as far as the ratings articles on Monday yeah like I'll, that that's kind of like more my interest will be I'll be like all right I know it's a thing I know it's happening because you know I'm seeing sponsored posts on Facebook from the New York xFL team you know and I'll care about it as far as to see what the ratings are because there's, there's, there's this common conception, and I don't even want to call it a misconception because it's hard to say. In my own personal opinion, I don't need more football. There's plenty. There's enough as it is. You know, the NFL already do, already dominates the news cycle from you know start to finish in the year. There's this conception that, like, oh, we need more football, that once, once the NFL is over, it's this, this dead space that we don't know what to do with our lives. You know, I don't really feel we need another league that it's, you know – Unless you start getting major college athletes to jump ship from going to the NFL to the XFL, which I don't see that happening. I don't see this taking off.
0: It's not going to take off. To clue anybody in that's going, what are we talking about? Way back when. Way back when, machine. Vince McMahon thought it'd be a great idea to bring back the quote unquote real NFL. Yeah. And make the extreme football league, also known as the XFL. Shout out. He hate me. Yes, which it did innovate a couple things that the NFL did copy, most notably the overhead cam. Oh yeah, the sky cam for uh, football yep, coverage. Yep, That did come from the XFLs. So don't think that it was all just a big train wreck because majority of it did get to be that point. The XFL was trying to be the anti-product of the NFL. It was trying to have players have more fun. They all had nicknames on the back of their jersey. Most notably, Rod Smart, who had "He Hate Me" on the back of his Vegas Outlaws jersey.
1: Only man in the XFL Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm.
0: Because he did. He was one of the few that jumped to the NFL and actually yeah. was very, very productive there. Yeah. And as the XFL went on, it was filled with former NFL players and ones that did not make it to. Uh, the NFL from mm-hmm. college. So it was your mix of yeah. uh, just a unique bunch Washouts. of players. Yeah, just ones that didn't make it to the NFL, and it showed in the play. And as the season progressed, it just really unraveled to the point where yeah. ratings were plummeting that from the big you know, e- extravaganza, if I can use that word, of their debut to how it ended with a fizzle and the incentive-laced $1 million for the winning team. Yeah. Uh, it's not gonna take off it, it did, like it, it, nothing
1: has nothing will have changed in terms of the players on the field. You're gonna get your former NFL players you know that aren't on any teams that are still looking to play. They don't want to hang up the cleats yet. You're gonna get your your college players who didn't get drafted, didn't get signed to a practice squad but are still looking to play and still looking for a paycheck. you know like I said, unless you get a major college football player like a Kyler Murray, like a Carson Wentz, you know, just to use some examples of that type of player that says, you know what, I'm foregoing my senior year of college, and instead of going to the NFL, I'm going to the XFL. Unless you have something like that happen, ratings aren't going to be great.
0: No, ratings are not going to be great. They weren't great the first time. That's why the XFL was done their first season in business. And to see it get revised by the WWE's Vince McMahon again, I don't get. I I just don't understand Why this begin is even a a, a thing? This this should not have happened. Like in my opinion, this just there's no need for it. Well,
1: I think you got to think back to when uh, this first got announced, and this was when there was a there was a whole nonsense with the NFL going on, and it was very much in the public eye and very much in the in the news cycle. And he announced it then, and that was what two years ago. Yeah, a year and a half, two years ago. Like it's moved on; it's different. Like you know, it's like we say on the Entertainment Edition with you know James Cameron's Avatar. You missed the boat by about ten years on James Cameron's Avatar. You missed the boat on this one. You you should have struck all the irons hot. Now I get it's business and it, you can't exactly turn these things over overnight and you know get it going overnight. But you missed your, you missed your opportunity on this one.
0: Oh, completely missed it. And nobody has been clamoring for it to come back since two thousand and one. Their only season, except Vince McMahon, who is insistent about making this league work. And as we've seen over the years. The NFL is very dominant in being the product of American football that fans want to see. Nobody is really filling the seats up for any secondary leagues. We had the Alliance of American Football, the AAF, begin last year. Mm-hmm. Or in 2018? Yeah. rather had a, had a good first week in ratings, but it tanked after that. Yeah, it, it completely fell off. So now why do we feel that we need to have another league? That's what doesn't make any sense to me. Just does not make any rhyme nor reason Mm -hmm. to bring it back. Like, there's nobody that's screaming out there saying, Please, I mean,
1: you know, it's good for the players who are looking for a paycheck and looking to still play. You know, good for you guys. You know, you found something, an an avenue for you guys to play still. But the quality isn't going to be there. The quality is going to vary much. If if you're going from watching, because it's taking place this Saturday, you're going from the Super Bowl. You know, the best of the best, you know, in theory, to the XFL, it's going to be a night and day difference.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, there's no way to say it. It it was just when, when is it going to get through to people that, you know what, you can't do this? And you just, it just doesn't make any sense. And it, it just doesn't. Like I said, the league, the AAF was 2019. I'm sorry, it's just a brand new year. It's throwing me off about this. The AAF debuted roughly around the same time. February 9th, 2019. And the
1: AAF seemed promising because, I mean, we went through, go back to our catalog of episodes around that time. We went through who was all in the front office of this organization. And it just made all the sense in the world. We're like, all right, hey, this might work. These are all football people who know what they're doing. You know, this isn't some group of uh, multimillionaires looking to just cash in on the opportunity and make a, another buck mm. that we were looking at going, you know what? This might work. This is guys who know football. You know, they know what they're doing. They're not just doing it for, for show or for money. Right. But Vince, you know, you know, I respect you as hell for what you've done for professional wrestling because you have kept the company around for, you know, 30, 40 years, whatever it is. But do you really know football? You tried once and it didn't
0: work. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Leagues like this, you hear about coming back for so long. Like I said, the AAF debuted and was founded in 2018, finally started playing in 2019, didn't even make it two months. It folded up in April. So to see where this began, or three months rather, it's it's mind-boggling to see that somebody wants to try bringing this back. Like, Is there really the need for football year-round? And that's the thing. Sports are great because it's the window of the season you're in. Sure, you play games on the off season. Sure. I get that. I'm not saying you don't. Sure, But for football, in American football specifically, I think that there is such a big blowout with the NFL Super Bowl that everybody needs time to recover. Mm-hmm. To have a league take up right after the season is done. Six days. Six days after the NFL has their big send-off. Six
1: days after the NFL has their big send-off and where a lot of people would like to see the day after the Super Bowl become some sort of national holiday. Mm-hmm. You know, Do you really need another football season
0: to start up? Yeah, it just it doesn't make any sense. And just like I say, to see how your predecessor went, when that had the backing and blessing of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like, Let's not make a mistake. It literally had the blessing of the NFL to be a feeder league. To see that that didn't make it two months. Like I said, it was right around April 1st when it bailed out, so that's what I'm saying, two, three months. To see the AAF fold up and that one had promise, it really makes it hesitant to see how the XFL is going to do because you're not seeing a lot of flash with this. No. The only thing that's noteworthy is the cable deal that's involved uh-huh. for the XFL.
1: Yeah, ESPN and Fox.
0: Yeah, that the first night's games... Our Saturday, February 8th, Seattle is at D.C., 2 o'clock on ABC. Mm -hmm. Saturday night, though, 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. All this is going to be Eastern Standard Time. L.A. is at Houston. That's on Fox. Sunday, February 9th, Tampa Bay is at New York, 2 o'clock. St. Louis is at Dallas, 5 o'clock. Games are on Fox and ESPN, respectively. So from there, they're going to be on major network TV. So, Pat, I just looking at this as it stands right now, how long do you think this is going to last?
1: Not long. I mean, because the thing of it is, is you know, like we've been saying, you know, okay, yeah, you're hope, you got these big mega contract TV deals and all this. You still got reports from Dave Meltzer saying he's going to, you know, lose three hundred and seventy-five million dollars over the course of three years. So unless you start making buku bucks and the ad buys are through the roof and the attendance is through the roof, you're potentially looking at losing a lot of money here.
0: Well, you're going to lose money with any business you start out the first year. It's just a matter of. Do you think that the public wants this back? And honestly, I can't hear anybody screaming that they want the XFL back. No. Especially – There's probably somebody someplace. Yeah, but, we're, but it's a vocal minority. But we're 20 years out almost. Yeah. That why are you bringing this back, let alone they're doing rule changes, so it's going to be different than the regular mm-hmm. NFL product that we have seen on Sundays for many, many weeks. I am honestly, I'm not excited about this. I'm going to give it a shot. Cause I, if I have the time and I'm going to be around on Sunday, I want to check out the games, but I'm not sitting there going, this is what I've been clamoring for. This is what I need. Mm-hmm. Especially when I thought on paper, the AAF was a better product. And like I say, when they started in 2018, building hype around this, lo and behold, they had everything that you'd want to hear. Former players involved the real essence of the game, the NFL's blessing. The XFL doesn't have that. No. The XFL decided to go off and have its weird press conference that they announced they're coming back. It was weird in my opinion. Yeah. It was just Vince sitting there talking to a conference call Yeah. and really ducking a lot of questions of what we're doing. I can only tell you one player that's in the XFL, and that's Carl Jones from Ohio State. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've seen him on vignettes. That's it. I couldn't tell you anybody else who's playing this. Like, yeah,
1: well, they're, they're not doing what they need to to really promote this thing. I know the Super Bowl was, of course, on Fox here in the States, and you know the, the games, some of the games are going to be broadcast on Fox. And I realized that Fox might not have wanted to promote it as much because NFL and XFL are two different companies. But still, there was only one ad run the entire night that we were watching. You know, I can't speak for pregame stuff because I didn't watch any of the pregame stuff, but during the actual broadcast where the, the viewership is at its highest, where you get the most viewership and the most exposure because for those who don't know here in the states the super bowl is the most watched television event on tel- in the states all year like nothing else even comes close mm. you know to only run one ad and it was a blink and you miss it 30 second ad with kurt menefee and whoever else is going to be doing the broadcasts with him you really dropped the ball on
0: that one yeah they should have done more of a media blitz for that cuz now this is going to fall by the wayside this is gonna be on if you're just around a, a TV on the weekend.
1: Yeah, you're flipping channels and you're looking for something and you
0: stumble across it. Yeah, like I, I just I can't get amped off for it. I'm like no. I said, I'm gonna give it a shot, but I'm not, I'm not. Well, like I said, I'm not camping out. Like I'm not calling in work for this. But if, it, well, if yeah. it's on, I'm gonna catch it because I just want to see what is the excitement, what is the enticement of this? Because I just I don't get it as as somebody that sat through the regular XFL season way back in 2001. I sat through one game and then I gave it a half shot on the second one and then it just started feeling like WWE with football, mm-hmm. which I love my WWE. We talk about wrestling all the time on here. We talk about it on a separate show. That's how much we talk about wrestling. I talk about it on Twitter all the time. I don't need to see it crossed over with football. That has no appeal to me. It doesn't have the glitz and glamour of boxing. It's, it's supposed to be the alternative product, but who's the alternative that's clamoring for it? That's the question. So that being said, any final thoughts on the XFL? Uh, Good luck, because Jesus Christ, you're going to need it. Fully agree with that statement, but hit us up on the hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about the XFL, especially after Sunday? I want to get the full weekend reaction from fans. Is this something you needed to see, or is it why is this back? Because until further notice, that is my stance. Change my mind. So that being said, let's end on a good note. The music you heard on this episode of the ODPH podcast is that of Fair City Fire. Our friends from Austin, Texas, doing big things down there in the Lone Star State. You want to find out about them, Shout at the Robots, Second Suitor, Floodlands, all the great bands you hear on the ODPH. There's one place to find out all that information. That's com. Check the music section. Check out ODPH Directory, which is our friends of the show. You can find out about Tom from Off The Cuff Gaming, who celebrated his 100-plus subscribers to his YouTube gaming channel with a little cake today. Ooh. It is official. The cake has been bought. I have not seen it. I'm going to check after the show recording. Nice. We also have to give a shout-out, and you can find out about Excite Wrestling yet again. Another great weekend from Moose and Company down at the X. You can also find out about Three Fat Nerds, Horror Zone 607, 8122 Productions, which Rich has announced on the wrestling show. He is updating the web page tomorrow as we record so Ooh. Wednesday it'll have a brand new look to it and it's supposed to have the Patreon link because I can't talk about the Patreon content known as Love is Scary Pat can you talk about it? Uh Nope. It is too hot for free podcasting ears because I have been told by providers I will get kicked off. I have been told by some sponsors that were thinking about wait you're airing you're talking about Love is Scary? I, are you behind a Patreon wall? And I was like, no, like, well, we can't do some business. That is how much Derek is bringing to the table with that show. You want to find out about what all the hype is? Simply go to 8122productions.com, sign up for their Patreon. It's $1 a month, $12 a year. You have all the bonus footage you can handle and bonus content that your ears can take. Mainly Love is Scary, plus the unedited versions of all the shows, including The Wrestling Show, which, like I said earlier, you're going to be hearing on the ODPH network for the month of February, because we're going to give a nice signal boost. You can also find out about Parlay Points, a complimentary blog section to the ODPH, and shoutouts and what podchaser links to all the groups that we're in, hashtag 607podcast, hashtag podnation, and hashtag nextwave. All one stop shop for the ODPH is Ocho ochuroparlayhour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for Padawan J, LaShawn McCoy,
1: and Sammy Watkins, Super Bowl champs. I'm your host, Kenem.
0: Coach, chime in. Let me know if you got a job down at the Knicks because we might have to wrap up the podcast after hearing that. I'm your host, Kenem. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.